Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The big bad is back. This time... I'm not sure I'm getting the clearance to come into the initiative. I've been thinking about the world. Like vampires. Take a stand and say that. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this one. Welcome back from the arduously long break to today, Whiskey with Buffy. Yeah, Schwiskey time. Pour me some of that goddamn JMO. Oh, yeah. That sounds like something that I can't think of, something that's dirty enough and not disgusting enough at the same time. Something about emptying a bladder. Insert bladder joke here. (laughs) So this is Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And today we're reviewing Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. Otherwise known as, shut your damn mouth. (laughs) Oh boy, Josh. We're going to have lots of quotes with this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All the quotes, Rex. What's your quote of the day? Why don't we just get it right out of the way? My quote of the day is... And that's my quote of the day. (laughs) We can't talk during this episode. We would like to present to you the very first completely silent episode of Beer with Buffy. I'm (laughs) just... I already fucked it up. You're fucking it up right now. I can't help it. We're just a couple of fuck ups, guys. <sighs> That's all we do. <laughs> this is a good start. I like this. Yeah. Oh, God. Good start. Good start. <laughs> so, obviously, this is like the most iconic Buffy episode outside of Once More with Feeling, you guys. So, like... Hold on to your fucking pants, peeps, because it's going to be a doozy. So our new favorite fan left us another voicemail. Crystal Sam. Crystal Sam heard our cry for attention. (laughs) And yay, she doth deliver. Someone from the internet has paid heed to our immense neediness. (laughs) All I have to say is, God damn it, Fred. We give you a whole fucking segment and you never call, you never write. And so we gave it to Ravi because Ravi seemed cool and you never call, you never write. Jesus, it's like having real children. (sighs) So guess what, Crystal Sam? It's yours now. It's officially time for Crystal Sam's messages. Oh, yeah. I only have one thing to say here. I hope you brought your motherfucking Kool-Aid because it's time to burst through wall. Crystal Sam. Oh, yeah. Okay. You said you had one thing to say? Yes. Only one? Well, no. That's yeah. a lie. I was going to say, I'm going to hold I you apologize. to that, but I know that it won't stand up <laughs> in court for any reason. Does just... not last past scrutiny. Anyway, what? What? For fuck's sake, what? <laughs> Crystal. Whoa, 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 whoa. Easy there, killer. So we're going to play Crystal's message for you, and then we're going to respond verily. Hey, Rex. Hey, Josh. So I'm driving to the Midwest 
for the holidays and catching up on my favorite fucking analytical love roast of my all-time favorite fucking obsession. And I just got done with beer bad, beer good, what, what the fuck ever. Um, and I'm on to the next episode, Moondog. I think, I don't know, whatever. It's the one where fucking Oz fucks everything up. And I'm at the beginning, and y'all are bitching about nobody calling you for like a month. Motherfuckers, some of us work. Um, and I've been bogged down on it in the, for the, the holiday rush to try to, like, go on vacation. So, I'm here. Hi. Glad you liked Swifty Five. Really fucking surprised that you hadn't watched that goddamn video. And yes, I'm old as shit, too. I'm all about that internet trash. So, I, I went, I hadn't heard of half the videos you fucking mentioned. So, I went and watched Mom the Blue Cat. And it was amazing. <laughs> So, for the past, like, two weeks, I've been walking around my apartment and annoying my roommates going, I could not watch Charlie the Unicorn. Couldn't couldn't fucking do it. I don't know if I was just internet trashed out, but it's more to internet trash I can do in small doses, but it does bring me glee in in, in small doses. Um, I'm going to go back to binge listening to the podcast. Really glad you guys do what you do. Seriously, do Ale with Angel. Oh, fucking Odo died. Fuck. Just, mm-hmm. what a way to fucking start off December. Or was it November? I don't know. I don't care. Odo's dead. I'm fucking sad. So, yeah. Happy holidays, guys. <laughs> okay. I have one problem here, Crystal. We work, too. We both have jobs. Yeah. We hey. dedicate several hours a week to this. More on Josh's part, because he edits this goddamn monstrosity. Yeah, something about a monstrosity. I work sometimes. Fuck you. I said we both work. Yeah, no, I that, that fuck you was directed towards Crystal. Oh, yeah. Crystal Sam. By the way, just in case you're, you're not completely caught up, or if you only listen to newer episodes first, Crystal is a previous several-time caller... She didn't originally give us her name, so we called her Sam because uh, we didn't want to assume any genders, and so I gave her the most androgynous name I could think of off the top of my head, to which she responded, what, you didn't know I was a chick? And we were like, eh, no, it's just, it's a it's a very sensitive time for that type of thing, and <laughs> we didn't want to put our feet in our mouths. No foot fetish here at Beer with Buffy. I mean, we're not kink shaming. If you like feet in your mouth, that's cool. Yeah, it's all. Come on over to Beer with Buffy and add your kink to our collective. Yes. (laughs) We will assimilate your kinks. Oh, God. I I refuse to go that far. (laughs) Oh, shit. I'm very pleased that we have introduced you to Llamas with Hats. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Carl. That is by far one of my favorite internet trash videos. And I have to agree with you, I too cannot stand Charlie the Unicorn. Oh my god, I binged Charlie the Unicorn actually with my mom. Oh god. Like a month or so ago. Because <laughs> Rex declared boldly that there were only three episodes. There are four. I thought there were only three. There's four, and they're working on a fifth one. Oh my god. I Just... implore you, Crystal Sam. Please try again, because it's worth it just for every episode has a song at the end. And the songs are legitimately terrifyingly good. (laughs) Like the rest of it's painful and just psychotically weird. 
but that's just my kind of humor as well. <laughs> what are you even doing now? I don't. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> Charlie, we're on a bridge, Charlie. All right, moving on. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> go and stick a banana in your ear. <laughs> Fuck me. I didn't realize how much I liked Charlie the Unicorn until I binged it with my mom. So, you know, try it again, please. It probably explains a lot about your your <laughs> your person. <laughs> yes, the kind of company you keep or the kind of comedies you watch definitely speak to your character very much. So, um, yeah, Swifty Five was lovely. Thank you very much for that. Schlegity 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 five. Oh, don't start it again, please. Just. Please don't. Anya Zanderbone and Schlichty 5. Stop it. Spike a drinking pig's blood Schlichty 5. I'm going to beat you with this bottle of Jameson. Yay. Do I get to drink it at the same time? No. Shit. I paid I'm going to drink it over your corpse. I paid for a third of that. God damn it. You did. Yeah. And then I'm going to beat you with it. Excellent. And drink the rest of it while standing on your corpse. Uh, don't threaten me with a good time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I just wanted to note, Crystal, I don't think you're nearly drunk enough for this voicemail. <laughs> I think Crystal is driving. However, since you're driving, <laughs> I'm going to forgive it. You said you're coming to the Midwest. What part of the Midwest? I really thought you were going to be like, I'm hunting you fuckers down. <laughs> <laughs> to what ends, I don't know, but boy, my curiosity was just, just raving. Just so everyone knows... We are probably not this entertaining in real life. Uh, speak for yourself, Rex. <laughs> I'm more entertaining when I'm asleep. I, I'm just trying to make sure that people don't stalk us. <laughs> well, try harder, because I had to beat off like eight stalkers just today with a stick. And when I say beat off, I don't mean <laughs> sexually in any way. It's like, you know, Buffy with the stake and the gesturing and the, right. and the oy, uh, all the misunderstandings. So uh, last but uh, OK, so ale with Angel It's probably not happening until we're done with beer with Buffy. Um, next topic. So, yeah, we seriously get asked about ale with Angel constantly, and it is not going to happen until after Buffy is done. I wouldn't say constantly. We're not trying to take a, a fuck you. Stop asking us tone. It's more of a. We love doing this, but we haven't gained as much traction as we wanted to. We love you, but we just can't do two podcasts at the same time, unfortunately, like we had hoped. I am also extremely sad that Rene Alberjanos is dead. Yes. Um, and it, with crazy timing, like we had just gotten done with all of the Quark Odo jokes. Very, very sad. So uh, rest in peace, Rene Alberjanos. I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly. You're probably not. And one for my homies. I did accidentally just spill some whiskey on my notes. That works. Good. I hope it didn't ruin a joke later. Nope. It just obscured Riley's name. Cool. He's unimportant. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I mean, not yet. I still like him. I know I'm going to hate him later, but yep. I, I don't have any reason to hate him yet. So on with the show. Time for a mom synopsis. Joshua. What are you doing, Joshua? 
You seem awfully quiet today, Joshua. <laughs> Are you ignoring me now, Joshua? <laughs> What's going on with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? What episode is this? Hush. Don't tell your mother to hush, Joshua! I brought you into this world and I will fucking take you out of it! <laughs> the title of the episode is... Shut the fuck up, Mom! I'm watching TV! <laughs> Joshua! Shh! <laughs> but... Shh, 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 shh. I... No. Well, I'm fucking leaving. Ah, so today's episode <laughs> of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is called Hush. Uh, you may remember this from... <laughs> you may remember Hush from such films as the entirety of the 2000s. As I mentioned earlier, it's it's the most quintessential episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer outside of Once More with Feeling. It might even be more recognized because it's not musical. In fact, it went the exact opposite direction and it's nearly a fully silent episode or at least half of it anyway. I thought there was more silence, but there's not. Anyway, some demons come to town and they open up this little box thing that steals everybody's voices and everybody flips the fuck out because they can't talk. Giles and Buffy and Xander and Anya and Spike and everybody have to communicate non-verbally. The whole city gets quarantined by the government because they think it's some sort of outbreak of laryngitis. And so the gentlemen are these creepy fuckers in suits floating around town uh, with little mook goony dudes that look like they escaped from a demonic insane asylum of the dead and flapping chains around all crazy like and stealing people's hearts with big goofy fucking grins on their dead looking faces. And it's creepy as fuck. Willow meets Tara for the first time at this uh, Wiccan group that Willow started going to. Buffy and Riley finally run into each other in the midst of battle. That's fun. Giles has his girlfriend Olivia over again. She's in town. Boy, did she pick a shitty night to show up in Sunnydale. <laughs> Yeah, there was, there was a little bit of build-up to the gentleman showing up, but that's that's basically the gist of it, and we'll cover the rest in more detail momentarily. Yes. That is correct. So, before we actually get into the actual episode, I wanted to give a little piece of background on this episode oh, as excellent. to why it exists. Okay. So, this episode exists solely because Joss was getting irritated that Buffy was getting all this recognition for the dialogue. And all the talk was about, oh, the dialogue's so good. This show works because of the dialogue. And he's like, no, there's so much fucking more here. And he wrote this episode solely to show off the visual aspect of the show. Yeah. And so he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to can the dialogue and do a wholly visual episode. Yeah. Look and how much chemistry my actors have. Exactly. Absolutely. And it, like you said, it's an iconic fucking Buffy episode, and that's that's why. Yeah. And look how good they are at gesticulating wildly. Yep. It's fantastic for all of those reasons, definitely. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. 
beautiful thing. Cold open. Cold open to Professor Walsh lecturing to class about communication versus language. And it gets weird. Real quick. Real quick. Holy shit. Uh, starts to turn into a wet dream, kinda. It really took me a minute to be like, okay, this is definitely a dream. <laughs> right? Yeah, I had a moment. Because she's like, Buffy Summers, come up here and lay on the table. And <laughs> Riley's got this look on his face like, oh, fuck, are we actually doing this? Right. <laughs> and she motions for Riley to come over and just like be a good boy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, what? What did you just say to him? <laughs> uh, I, where is this going? You please make out with her in front of everybody. I was really expecting it to be like some sort of lesson in nonverbal communication. Like she right? had ordered him to essentially start to physically sexually assault her assuming that she would fight back and be like, there, you see the subconscious gestures that she's making? Like, you know, you know, everybody always points out, or maybe I just, I think I always think of this episode of Lie to Me, where there was a picture of this woman talking to a man, and her arms were at her side, but he geniusly points out, if she were to hold her arm up, what is her hand doing right now? Her palm would be out, which is a universal fucking stop sign. Yep. So, you know, we rein in our gestures because society and shit. And I really thought that was the point they were about to make. Right. And then I was like, wait, I really hope this turns into a magic show. Spectacular, spectacular. <laughs> Lie no. down on this table and Riley will slice thee in twin. Oh, Riley basically says, oh, if I kiss you, the sun will go down. And so he kisses her. And then the sun goes down. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? And I don't think that's how that works. I'm actually really fucking annoyed that the first on-screen kiss between these two characters is a fucking dream. Right? And it was... Oh, it was toasty, too. <laughs> oh, shit. I wasn't going to say anything like that. But. I was feeling it, man. Anyway... I was like, that's what a kiss should fucking look like. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, mm -mm. so we've just discovered that this is Josh's wet dream, wow. <laughs> but just as the sun goes down, Buffy hears a little girl chanting a rhyme. <laughs> Did you happen to write down the rhyme? No, I didn't, but I just wanted to say that, you know, little girl singing, it's a recipe for every horror movie. Like, Every why? time. Like, okay. It, it doesn't matter what the words are. It's all in the slow, minor, cordularium, middle register, modulation, arpagelitalico thing. Rex doesn't know anything about music, so I can make up whatever I want and he can't <laughs> question it. But I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what the words are. She's just like, la, 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 la. Yeah. And that doesn't, does that no. not just raise your fucking I want to have a conversation about goosebumps. this. Like, I understand why it is a trope in mm -hmm. horror. Mm -hmm. Because it is, in fact, creepy as fuck. Yeah. But why is it creepy as fuck? I don't what know. is it about little girl chanting a fucking, like, preschool rhyme? Like, why is that so fucking creepy? 
Like, yeah. it is creepy, mm-hmm. but I don't understand psychologically what it is hitting in my head to make me think that it's creepy. I, it's it's the soulless stare. I, I want something about the juxtaposition of something that subconsciously our brain wants to equate with innocence, but there's clearly malicious intent behind it. And that clashing is what's causing so much like your your brain triggers fear when it reaches that area of oh fuck what the hell am i looking at i cannot okay. that makes sense i cannot equate i can't fit the circle in the square and i can't fit the square in the circle ah it's pandemonium i like that word oh i'm sorry i meant ah, it's pandelirium also a good word yeah it's not a real word i'm aware all right so yeah, Buffy wakes up. It's actually a dream. Oh, the and the the girl in the singing the rhyme was holding a box. She's holding that the box that we, we find out later. what happens yep. with it later. And she turns around and Riley turns into Granny Dude. Yep. And it's scary and she wakes up and she's still in class. And then Willow's mocking her for falling asleep. <laughs> and Riley joins in on the mocking. Yes, Willow quips quippily. Quips quippily. I, I didn't write down any of the mocking. It was cute. No, it was cute. Um, but that's about it. Riley's like, hey, where are you headed? Oh, hey, I'm headed that way too. And Willow's like, I'm going to leave you two lovebirds alone. And then she fakes out leaving just so she can eavesdrop. Yeah, she's uh, she turns on some serious spy tech here. Why? <laughs> it's not like Buffy isn't going to fucking tell her. She's just being cutesy about it. I think she just wanted to watch them be cute, be cute together yeah. for a brief moment. Because okay, as she says later, she wants vicarious smoochies. Like she's just enjoying Buffy's happiness, right? Which that's neat. Fucking step up from the last episode, right? <laughs> Seriously. Then they Buffy and Riley step outside and they're walking, and Buffy. Huge slip here tells Riley that she's patrolling tonight. Well, I before that I was I thought it was funny that he very Riley very boldly inquires as to whether or not he was included in this dream that Buffy was having. And then she's like, Well, you know, maybe you made an appearance. And he's like, Was that a romantic lead? And it's like, slow your roll there, killer. Wow. He's just being cute. I mean, she was into it though, so Whatever, enthusiastic consent, and that's what it's all about, kids. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, you were saying? So yeah, Buffy slips and tells Riley that she's patrolling tonight, and she tries to cover it up in <clears> her <throat> Buffy manner. <clears throat> Petroleum. So you're having crude oil tonight. And he rolls with it really well. A little too well. Right. I would say. She's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm uh, grading papers. And she's like, what papers? And he's like... A late papers. <laughs> yeah. He was too caught up in his own lie to call her out on her lie. And then she's giving him these massive doe eyes. Just like, oh my God, kiss me right now. And he looks at her, looks at her and he's like, that's nice. Yeah. It took him a little too long to pick up on it. She like had to beat him over the head with anime eyes before right. he's like, oh, right. Okay. I'm on this. Uh, romance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't kiss. Well, because she fucking... <laughs> she lets logic get in the way. She's like, wait, what papers? It's like, god damn it. You cut yeah. off your own romantic moment. 
That's Willow's yeah. job. <laughs> or Xander's job. Or Giles. It's everybody else's job but yours. <laughs> you overachiever. I think we've just found a character trope that Joss Whedon uses in his writing. <laughs> what? Opening credits. Sure. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you has a wind. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Cold water. Usual. Him. What? A desk. Welcome to Giles's house. Yes, where Buffy's on the phone. Obviously, it must be Buffy telling Giles about the rhyme. Yes, Giles skeptically skept at Buffy because the man never learns. But I mean, at least he agrees to look into it because she's like, ah, oh, my dream was scary. And he's like, well, it could be one of your prophetic dreams, or you could just be a crazy bitch. It's like, damn, Giles. Right. (laughs) But he, over his shoulder, asks Spike if he'd ever heard of anything like this. Spike, of course, hadn't. But they're out of Weedabix. (laughs) Spike's just walking around like a hamster out of his cage. Have you heard of Weedabix? Not once. I had to look up what the fuck this was. Tell me it's a British thing. It's a British thing. Of course it is. Um, Specifically, it is a British thing that is a lot like mini wheats. (laughs) But not frosted. Well, of course not. America's the only one addicted to sugar. (laughs) Right. For fuck's sake. But no, it's basically, it looks, I don't know if it tastes the same, but it looks about the same as mini wheats. Yeah, that's kind of what I gathered. I was assuming it was like Triscuits. They're like that, but bigger. About the size of a biscuit. I heard the word wheat and my brain just zoned right the fuck out. (laughs) But yes, we've learned that Spike likes to use them... For texture in his blood. He crumples them up for texture. Well, and he can also just... Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> he can also just sit there and eat crackers and peanut butter. And thank God Giles is like, I thought vampires were supposed to eat blood. And I'm like, well, at least they kind of sort of addressed this issue. <laughs> right. Uh, I. Uh, it doesn't make any... Why would you even crave... Hold on. I think I just figured something out. Oh, shit. If you think about it, they can't metabolize food. The food just goes through their system. So a vampire can eat anything they fucking want and they wouldn't get fat from it. Right. They're, if their body can only metabolize blood, yeah. then Spike can literally eat all the fucking snack food he goddamn pleases. Can you imagine how gross it would be to poop completely undigested food? I can't stop imagining. (laughs) Just putting that visual in all of your heads. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. Ruining all your daily activities. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Whiskey's a very different kind of drunk. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Where were we? Oh, yeah. So between last episode and this episode, uh, Giles has gone through quite the fast transition from, uh, hey, we'd uh, just as soon knock you off to, hey, you ate all my crackers and that's mildly annoying as you're lounging about on my couch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Cut to just outside Giles's apartment where Xander and Anya are talking about their relationship. 
More importantly, Anya's trying to talk about their relationship and Xander is trying to avoid the conversation. Yeah, it's it's that most annoying but also most inevitable conversation that usually comes up in most relationships ever at some point in time. What are we? What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Where is this relationship going? Uh, it's usually me. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> Well, where is this relationship going, Rex? It already it, it's already gone. We were supposed to be in an RV on our way to the West Coast like 5 years ago. Well, we're poor. I'm waiting for you to get your finger out of my ass cuz I'm leaving you behind. We're not a country song. <laughs> no, but see, I just geniusly worked in the lyrics that Robin Williams made up in Robin Williams Live back in 2002 into this situational fake debate. Was that not amazing of me? That's called improv. I think you're mispronouncing improv. I mean improv. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Xander and Anya enter into the apartment and Giles thanks them for knocking because they didn't. <laughs> Thank you for specifying. <laughs> oh, the, the snark... <laughs> the snark level is through the roof. Anyway, uh, so this, uh, the the first 15 minutes were rife with quotes of the day. Yes. Like, we joked that there were no quotes of the day. Thank God they were. But, like, they packed a full episode's worth of snarky one-liners into the first half of this episode. Well, when Joss was writing this episode, he's like, you know, someday there's going to be these assholes who are doing a podcast and they're going to need quotes of the day every episode. So I better fucking write this shit into the episode. Yeah, if you'd ever like to call us and confirm this conspiracy theory, Mr. Joss Whedon, give us a call here at Beer with Buffy at 269-743-0783. If you ever actually called our podcast, I think I would literally shit myself. Yeah, I would do it on purpose just out of principle. <laughs> press play, it's Joss Whedon, you're like, well, I guess I'm shitting my pants today. I'd, I'd be standing there at work in the middle of the hallway, slightly crouched. People would be like, Josh, you look like you're taking a shit in your pants. And I'd be like, well, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, then it's probably because I'm shitting my pants at work, Okay. But anyway, <laughs> immediately out of the gate, we get three lines here that I fucking loved. Yeah. Well, three exchanges. Yeah. Well, on, on my list, anyway. I have one, one exchange that's three lines. Okay. Xander says to Anya, okay, remember how we talked about private conversations? How they're less private in front of my friends? Spike says, oh, we're not your friends. Go on. And <laughs> Giles replies, please don't. Yes. <laughs> Next one is Giles, Anya, Giles. Giles says, I, I have a friend who's coming to town and I'd like us to be alone. Anya's like, oh, you mean an <laughs> orgasm friend? <laughs> yes, that's exactly the most appalling thing you could have possibly said. Note, he did not disagree with her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then Anya says... Uh, it's a couple lines later, but basically all the same exchange. Everybody's arguing. Anya's like, what about us? A romantic evening. But because Giles says, Xander, you need to take a spike. Spike says, I'm not having these two shag while I'm tied to a chair three feet away. And then Xander's like, yeah, that's not exactly one of my fantasies either. So about a week ago, maybe a little, maybe a week and a half ago, Nicholas Brendan 
nearly 20 years later. Oh, God. I... Damn it, I just blocked did. this out of my memory. Oh, you barely even listened to any of it. But he just did a live reading of a Spander slasher fan fiction for Club Sex. Ugh. Ander. Check it out. Club Sex dot 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 Ander. You know, merged the X on the end of sex and the beginning of Xander. <laughs> So if you ever need to visualize more efficiently Xander and Spike fucking, you can go listen to Nicholas Brendan do a live reading. I, okay, I will I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. The one thing I got from watching that, and I did watch more of it. Oh. Um, the one thing I got from watching that that did please me is that you do a much better spike than Xander does. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to sound too full of myself, but I was pretty sure. I was like, he needs a spike yeah. to his Xander. Oh, Nicholas Brandon. <laughs> I know you can't afford James Marsters, but I'm free. <laughs> so then we cut to the Wicca meetup. Oh, wicka wicka, or wit? Sorry. Then we cut to the Wiccan meetup. Wicka wicka. Is it Wiccan or Wicca? Wicka wicka wicka. They're Wiccans, but they practice Wicca, right? Wicka 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 wicka. Can you please stop doing that? I will not. We're gonna probably say the word Wicca or Wiccan a lot. Wicka wicka. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> turns out, turns out this is a really dumb group. Oh, yeah, extremely. Uh, it, it was all like as if Cordelia had spread her IQ out amongst 10 other girls. <laughs> well, and I mean that as a huge compliment to Cordelia because Cordelia was actually wicked smart. Yes. Yes. But, you know, you spread out 180 IQ amongst 10 girls. What do you get? 18 or something? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I did that math in my head just now. <laughs> You must have an IQ higher than 18. Yay! <laughs> wicka, wicka! God damn it. Oh, why is that going to become a thing? <laughs> it's not. It uh, better fucking not. Well, maybe for this episode, but Wicka group is lame. And uh, hi, Tara. Yeah, and the one woman who, like, bashes on Willow at first for the whole all their witches part is just super fucking mean to Tara for no reason out of the blue. Why don't we get our broomsticks and then we can fly around on our broomsticks? <laughs> I actually really get annoyed when people make sentences like that where they say the same word twice. Yeah. And they just, like, she could have ended it on... Why don't we get on our broomsticks and fly around? Uh-huh. Everyone knows what you mean! Right. Stop I, repeating yourself. I think she did it on purpose to be extra mocking. I suppose. But yeah, she's super mean. But it, it did just make her sound extra shitty. Yeah, and really. Dumb. And so I really don't remember Tara being this mousy at first. Like, I did. This is an epic level of mousy. It really is, but she does it so fucking well. Yeah, I get, it's it's uncomfortable how well she does it. I'm like, oh my god, you're in college. Like, people aren't supposed to be that shitty in college. But I find uh, life is 
life has this peak where so you've got middle school which is like the worst time in your life and then it seems like everything's getting better and it's like oh all that middle school shit's behind us you know high school people don't really care anymore so there's still some assholes around but then you get out of high school and it's like hey college College is awesome, rock, and then you're in your 20s and your mid-20s and everybody's like, hey, you just graduated college, you got the world at your fingertips, you're gonna be something great, and then you work your way into your 30s and people are like, get back to work, pig dog. My progression of life was very different than that. I'm dating, I am having serious dating with a werewolf, and... I'm studying witchcraft and, and killing vampires. It's like a drug. On to the dorm where Willow is telling Buffy about the lame group. Yeah, large succosity factor for the Wicca, Wicca group. And <laughs> so Willow establishes that she wants vicarious smoochies. Uh, through Buffy, which I think is kind of greedy, but also adorable. Buffy is really kind of bothered and upset that she doesn't like lying to Riley about shit. And, you know, that's fucking fair. But she specifically says, oh, she wishes she could come clean. Cut back immediately to the initiative. You make me come clean. You make me come clean. Oh, God damn it. No. <laughs> yeah, that one's that's not for like another two seasons. Two seasons. Two seasons. Cut to the initiative where obviously Riley and Forrest are talking about the exact same thing that Buffy and Willow were talking about. Oh, that's right. I did like the part where Forrest is like talking about how they have to Clark Ken it up. Yeah, that was clever. <laughs> it's like we have the we have the most awesome job ever and we don't get to fucking talk about it at all we would get tons of women with this job but here we have to go clark kenning our way through the fucking dating scene and just that's a i liked the i like the way that was but as he said they're lucky they're pretty and i only have one thing to say to that they're lucky they're pretty yeah they're they're not wrong either i yeah i can't argue they uh, they got it going on they're very pretty men (laughs) (laughs) hey that's my line (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Cut to Xander's basement, where Xander is tying up Spike. Xander's basement, or should I say Spander's basement. Spike and Xander, fucking. Okay, they're not fucking, but goddammit, this fanfic writes itself. There is some bondage going on. Right, exactly. Spike's tied up. Xander's like... Pointing his ass in boxer shorts (laughs) at the camera. I'm like, dude. You're like asking for it. Do you see how he's dressed right now? And, and more importantly, he is he's mad at Spike for not considering him a how does he put it? Nummy treat. <laughs> <laughs> and then Spike's it's like, like, it's like fine, you're a nummy treat. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> And then, how did he not see this coming 8 billion miles away? He tries to start going to sleep, and immediately spikes. It's like, he's a nocturnal creature. 
You don't think right. he's actually going to sleep, do you? He's going to sit there staring at you all night. More importantly, Xander, how did you not think while you were tying Spike up that you weren't going to have to fucking gag him? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, God, I just, I mean, I can understand him not wanting to let him roam free either, but also, can't they find some other fucking place for Spike to stay? Right. Or another room in the house or something? Or stick him in a closet. I don't know. I don't know. It seemed I'm, like there was a better solution. I'm a little confused at the relationship situation here, because obviously at Giles, Spike is a little more off the leash and free reign of the apartment. But, like, is he still a prisoner? Is he staying there of his own volition? Well, no, I think they... I think there was a slight bonding experience last episode with Giles and Spike. Even though he was under the spell when he was helping Giles, it's kind of stuck a little bit. And they're using that as a way to transition Spike into one of the Scoobies. It's a little jarring, but... It's not going to take long at all for us to just completely accept him. That's fair. And so Giles has basically already reluctantly kind of come to that conclusion. It's like, well, as long as he's got that chip in his head, he's not any danger. And Giles definitely seems to just appreciate the fact that Spike can fucking banter. Right. Giles definitely appreciates good banter. And also the thing is, Spike came to them for protection and he still kind of sort of has information that they need. Even if he doesn't actually personally have information, he's an asset once they do figure out who the initiative is. Right. Because they can be like, hey, we have this thing that you're looking for. Now tell us who the fuck you are and what you're doing. Exactly. But also, Spike... From the very beginning, kind of has this history of, strangely, they just kind of trust him in weird situations. Like, when he when he lied for Buffy that he was part of a band that she was in, and Buffy trusted him completely off the leash to sit in the living room with her own mother. Right? And that was just because they had a mutual interest, and now he's completely leashed? Why should they fear him at all? He's proven himself trustworthy enough to be interested in the greater good occasionally, you know? It's really fucking weird as far as the character goes. He's still kind of a good guy. Yeah, even though he doesn't have a soul yet. And he decides to go get his soul later. Anyway, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, just food for thought. He has a history of being trusted by the Scoobies well before this. Yeah, yeah. Even if they don't want to call it that. You're whatever. not wrong. You're not wrong. Cut to Giles. He's researching the rhyme. And Olivia shows up. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed the little quip here. He's like, oh, how was your flight? And she's like, oh, absolutely horrible uh, or horrific. He's like, bad weather? No, baseball movie in flight. And I was like, ha! Ah, ah, I hate sports too. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, enough small talk. Let's get to the fucking. <laughs> or, or, um, why can't Willow get some vicarious smoochies from these two? Share the fucking right. wealth, Giles. Right. Jesus. Tap dancing lawyer tits. 
So <laughs> Giles just like throws his glasses down on the notes about the gentleman, much to Sunnydale's dismay and much to the yep. real world's delight. And then we cut to the clock tower, not that clock tower. There's no DeLorean around this clock tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your get your mind out of the back to the future, you bunch of fucking geeks, and get it back into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, where inside the clock tower, the gentleman opened some sort of box that seems to draw in everyone's voices. It sure does, Rex. Yeah, it's taking everybody's voices. How unoriginal. That's the government's job, Mr. Gentleman Dude. <laughs> and you know they don't like competition. They don't. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. Anyway, quick cut to the dorm the next morning, and let me tell you, ooh, that's some good foley. Mm, that's good foley, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. All I... right. Well, because that's all we get for the rest of the fucking episode. Right. Good foley. Good slight subtle background music it's oh it's yeah. fucking good every breath every like buffy goes to brush her teeth doors closing we're hearing everything now except for voices yep which is weird and jarring but also interesting i don't know so the city is collectively shitting its pants as yep. they discover they can't fucking talk and i realized Holy shit, I can read lips a lot better than I thought I could. <laughs> as I'm sure most other people did as well. Right. When forced to. Well, also, the actors are obviously slightly over-exaggerating. Very over-emphasizing the phonemes, if you will. Did you know that that's the word for the shapes that your mouth make for each different I do. syllable combination? I do know this. Cool. I know this mostly because of 3D animation. Ditto. So Buffy mouths, good morning. Willow says, hey. And they both have that, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit look. Buffy mouths, can you hear me? Willow mouths, no, I've gone deaf or something like that. And then Buffy's like, I don't think so. We can't speak because she obviously has been up for a couple of minutes. She heard herself brushing her teeth. Yep. She heard doors, footsteps, etc. Of the girl crying that was running down the hallway. They would have. They would have more immediately realized something was wrong had they all gone deaf. Yes, you'd fucking notice if you wake up and like the things that make normal sounds don't like the bed. The fucking bed when you sit up on the bed makes a sound. Right. Yeah. My first check, if I ever think that something funny is going on with my ears, and it's never actually been an issue, except once when I got some shampoo in my ear. But if you just rub your fingers together next to your ears, yeah, you can hear it. It sounds like rubbing paper together or something. It does, in fact, sound like rubbing paper together. Yeah, so that tells me I need to put some fucking lotion on my hands. Yeah, I mean, even with lotion, it, it'll be slightly quieter, but you can still hear it. Trust me. I'm very paranoid about losing my hearing, and I check at least three times a day. Fun fact about you, then. Yeah, don't ask. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac. And you're what? Shocked and disappointed? I'm evil. You should know better, you should know better than attempt to fake the face of the world. That was pathetic. You should know better, you should know better than attempt to fake the face of the world. There's a lot more than that. Yeah, fantastic day. Birds singing. 
Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. We cut to we cut to Xander's room where Xander and Spike are both freaking out. And of course Xander blames Spike for what's going on. And then just in a beautiful step of just not thinking through your choices here, Xander <laughs> calls Willow and Puffy on the phone. How's how's that working out for you, fuckface? Oh my god. And of course, Buffy answers the phone just out of like rote response. Yeah. And then as soon as she answers the phone, she goes, the fuck? Yeah. Her and Xander (laughs) both basically at the same time are like, well, this was fucking stupid. (laughs) All right. Next idea. (laughs) So they hang up. Spike has a brilliant, you're a dipshit face. Yep. (laughs) Cut to... Riley and Forrest uh, and the whole fucking household of theirs is all like, oh my god, shit's hitting the fan. People are trying to talk or, or, you know, mouth things at Riley and Forrest as they're coming down the stairs, but they're too important for that shit. Yep. And they just keep strutting their way to their secret fucking elevator. I mean, I would too. Right. Especially if you had a secret fucking elevator. I want a secret elevator. Right. When do I get a secret elevator? I, you know what I want? Any elevator, because fuck the stairs that come up to my fucking apartment. Yeah, you lazy bastard. Have you seen my stairs? I have. They're pretty awful, actually. Like, yeah, I... Like, I'd give my left nut for one of those little old people <laughs> lifts yes. on the banister. Anyway, they get caught on the on the secret fucking elevator. It tries to kill them. Because as they've established for at least two episodes now, they have to do a vocal identity test yep. thing, verification, do jobby. So Riley opens up this panel and it's an override and he can't get the fucking code to work. And while this is happening, Forrest writes on a fucking pad of paper and like shows it to the camera over Riley's shoulder. We're not showing it to Riley, like showing it to the camera. And it just says, come on, come on. Yeah, I I caught that too. A couple of things here. One, Forrest, first off, if the elevator is about to kill you, why are you wasting Riley's time with such a message? Yeah, wasting precious ink and paper and oxygen breathing. It is the dumbest thing that Forrest has done on camera yet. So it starts letting this yellowish gas out into the elevator, and I'm still not clear on how the fuck they actually got out. It didn't show. I'm assuming Walsh overrode it for them. I think so. Because she's standing there waiting for them. And then she smugly points at a sign that says, in case of emergency, use stairway. And they're like, oh, yeah. Anyway, that was funny. So cut to the commons. Where emphasis on the silence is deafening. Have you watched the movie A Quiet Place? No. First off, you should. Okay. If you like this episode, definitely watch The Quiet Place. And when you watch A Quiet Place, watch it in a dark room with fucking sound-canceling headphones. And just be very immersive in it. It'll probably scare the fuck out of you, but it's totally fucking worth it. Mm, I'm not a fan of that level of scary immersion. (laughs) It's really not that scary of a movie. It's just a very, um, 
It, it it's a tense movie. I will take your word for it. So uh, this one dude drops his. It looked like a glass bottle of Mountain Dew. It was. Yeah. Back when they had glass bottles of Mountain Dew. It was a very Jonathan moment. I mean, you can still get them, but you kind of have to go out of your way to look for them. Yeah. And uh, they're like the the throwback. Yeah. Uh, where the where the fuck is Jonathan anyway? We need more Jonathan in this season. Well, he went to a different school. Well, fuck him. I mean, can you blame him for wanting to get the fuck out of Sunnydale? Yes. Yes, I can. Well, that's just mean. Thank you. <laughs> so, anyway, that was that was pretty much that. Um, cut to Buffy and Willow walking down the street, holding hands, out of fear. Yes, and we get a number of scenes that show that the world's kind of falling apart now. Yeah, it's definitely not how you want to see the streets. All the businesses are closed. You hear sirens and honking. A bunch of pedestrians standing around looking super scared. My favorite background bit of this scene, though, is we see a bunch of church parishioners. I don't know. It was a prayer group with somebody yeah. leading the prayer. But more specifically, there is a there is a preacher who is standing on a fucking box above everyone and someone standing next to him with a chalkboard that just says the Bible verse that they're reading and they're all just reading the same Bible verse. Revelations 15.1. Yeah, and all I can think is, why is he standing on a box? <laughs> he can't, like, why? It's tradition. They're all reading the same fucking passage. He can't, like, he's not standing up there to project his voice better or anything like that. What the fuck is he doing? It's for the visuals. How will they know who is better than them and who to give the money to? <laughs> How will they know who to go to to make them feel worse about themselves? Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's looting going on, and then there's this dude selling little dry erase boards. Hey, you know. Yeah? Make the best? <laughs> now, 10 bucks for a dry erase board now, today, not a bad price, but in the fucking two thousand, like early two thousands, it's a little steep. Late nineties, early two thousands, yeah, that ten bucks. But also, you know, he ran to the store and bought out <laughs> at least one store's worth of yeah. dry erase boards, and he's trying to make a profit here. So, you know, if he paid five dollars, hey, make the most of your apocalypse. Exactly, it's a time <laughs> of crisis, which is the time of gouging. Why not? But they, Buffy and Willow look over at the message boards and they're like, ugh, that's dumb. But of course, the very next scene, they show up to Giles wearing message boards. Yeah, which they use a little bit throughout the next couple of scenes. But really, the biggest important part of this scene is the news broadcast, which is recorded outside of Sunnydale. So we at least, thank God, get to hear the fucking news broadcaster explain the fucking situation. Which basically all it amounts to is Sunnydale is quarantined because... There's this mass outbreak of laryngitis. Fun fact. I don't know if you know this, but anything medical that just has itis at the end means inflammation. So laryngitis is inflammation of the... Of your larynx. Uh, yeah. Which it's is just your vocal cords. Yep. That's it. But, yeah. And I mean, people with laryngitis can still croak out words. It's right. very rare that... 
they completely you lose the ability to speak. So it, as Xander is appropriately incredulous here, like you see him mouth the word laryngitis. <laughs> You dumb fucks, basically. I kind of wish they had gone a little bit of a step further with the way they portrayed all this. Is So they can't speak, but there's a number of times throughout the episode where their breathing makes noise. Mm-hmm. And they really should have played it off where they actually, like, when they mouth the words, you hear the breathing of them mouthing the words. Mm. Where whereas they're obviously just mouthing the words without saying anything, but they they could have really put that effort into like breathing out in a way that you could hear them. I think that's entirely irrelevant because this, this so this episode was heralded for its use of silent communication. And even in the, in the beginning where Walsh was like, communication is not language. It's an, it's an idea and it's uh, conveying that idea before we put it into words, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but then 60 to 70% of their nonverbal communication is still just writing and mouthing English words. Yeah. That's not nonverbal communication that's just deaf communication. Just because you can't hear it doesn't mean it's nonverbal. It's still using the English language. Right. They weren't like playing fucking charades. That would have been purely nonverbal. Yeah. Or Pictionary, which Giles does a little bit of that with his presentation in a minute here. I mean, what I think what you said earlier kind of clarified this and made it slightly moot. Because you were saying how, fun fact, Joss Whedon just wanted to show off that this has a lot more going for it than the quippy language. Yes. And that's that's perfect. That's great. Um, but it's not like some epic silent film. No. It, it's half of the... F- episode was still fucking verbal and the non-verbal part was still mostly verbal you just couldn't hear them and if you think about it when you look at the breakdown of our episodes there's not really that much more than what we'd normally have for for quotes yeah like the first 15 20 minutes of an episode is the quotable time and then the last bit is more actiony the actiony and like shit hitting the fan and people solving problems and like we very very rarely have any good quotable lines from the second half of the episode yeah and as we're about to get into in just a minute here a lot of the episode gets soaked up with just the gentleman floating around being creepy which is great entertainment oh it really is but not so much for talking about on a podcast. Yeah. So before we move on from the little news broadcast here, I want to just point out the hilarity that apparently government officials are blaming the flu vaccine for this. <laughs> yeah. Fucking anti-vaxxers go way back, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they really do. Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over. If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor. Then we cut to the initiative where Stephen Stephen Hawking's voice makes a cameo appearance. <laughs> what that actually? Oh, uh, I never mind. <laughs> I was like, wait, was it actually Stephen Hawking's? Oh fuck! <laughs> never I mind. Mean, yes. 
I mean, so I think it's funny that if this episode had happened today, the not being able to talk would have barely even been an issue because everybody would have th- this technology times, you know, millions. We'd just be texting each other. Exactly. But people wouldn't even have to just text each other. We could use text to speech with an automated voice like yep. Alexa or whatever. And also, I wouldn't be surprised. I meant to look this up, but have you heard anything about whether or not there's a camera-based facial recognition program that can just translate lip movement phonemes into speech? I have not heard anything about this. Because if it doesn't, I almost fucking guarantee that it's at least in production. But the most important thing we get from this scene right here is that Professor Walsh is a very slow typer. (laughs) I didn't even notice, but I'll take your word for it. So cut to the street. Because Walsh had just told them that they don't want to have an official military presence, but she still wants her soldiers to go out and do what they can in street clothes to keep the peace. Buffy witnesses Riley breaking up a fight. Riley pushes one dude to the ground and then he turns around to face the other guy. And so Buffy walks up and grabs the other dude's wrist and, and like breaks snaps it. his fucking yeah, wrist fucking breaks his wrist i hope he wasn't a paper pusher because you just ruined his livelihood <laughs> right fucking hell and then finally riley and buffy make out mm-hmm. willow gets those vicarious smoochies yeah finally their words aren't in the fucking way and they what other way like this is one of the few truly nonverbal communication parts of the episode where, oh, they they have to show how much they care about each other some other way than talking now. Yeah. That's fucking special. Uh, cut to later in the night when the gentlemen and their lackeys, I guess? The gentlemen are here. These lackeys, I think, are a little bit freakier to me than the gentlemen's themselves i thought they were really cheesy the first time that i saw this but now i'm really appreciating i know i use this word a lot now but the juxtaposition of these like i i came up with so many different words for these weirdos the the gremlin toady type escaped mental asylum style demons that are just flailing wildly as the the dudes in suits are floating around nightmarishly smoothly down the street these few scenes like even though no words or really any communication parts happen in these scenes just the cinematography and the makeup work and the effects of them floating is just spot the fuck on yeah this is by far some of the best subtle wire work ever yeah i remember seeing a a bit of a special about how they did this back in the day. Cause when I watched this episode, I, it was just another episode originally right. when I saw it. And then I heard a couple years later that this was like turning into the most popular episode that ever happened of Buffy the Vampire Slayer besides the musical episode. And, but yeah, they basically, they just had cranes and they had a really hard time keeping the cranes out of the shot to make yeah. these oh, guys yeah. float down the street like that. Also, the, they had trouble with... They had to get them to glide without, like, swinging at all. Yeah, I and can imagine. they did a lot of stuff on 
indoors they did a lot of dolly stuff with it um when you can't see their feet and they just glide across they they used dollies i can see that yeah but the effect fucking worth it so unnerving yeah the fact that they have this fucking giant ass creepy grin and they're just like ooh, hi without saying a fucking word oh it's super creepy i love it but the best moment is we see all the the gentlemen like roaming around and everything but olivia decides to get up uh, in the middle of the night and she goes downstairs and she opens the the curtain to look out the window just as one of the gentlemen is outside the fucking window. Well, she sees one off in the distance and she's like, what the fuck? And then bam, right in her face, another one right in the fucking window. I'm like, oh, fucking Jesus. There's the shit of nightmares right there, man. Oh, God, yes. And then the think of how fucking terrifying it would be to see something like that. And then the realization that would happen in your head of like, I'm seeing this horrible thing and I cannot scream for help. Yeah. Well, that's that's what the rhyme was about. I want to look up that rhyme real quick because it's getting more relevant. Okay. Can't even shout. Can't even cry. The gentlemen are coming by, looking in windows, knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call to mom. Can't say a word. You're going to die screaming, but you won't be heard. And that's creepy as shit. Just all by itself, let alone having a small girl in a dream sequence sing it in a minor key. Have you ever read the short story, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream? Um, no. This is what this makes me think of. It's a post-apocalyptic short story. It was written in the 60s. It's really fucking good. It's really fucking creepy. The, the terror of this thing is scaring the fuck out of me and I can't vocalize. Absolutely. Think of how important it is to you to just make vocalizations. How often do you say ow when you hit something but it doesn't actually hurt? Constantly. And it's just this, it's a mental thing. You do something and you have a vocalization attached to it. Yeah. And if you couldn't do that... It would have profound psychological effects on your person. There would be an extra kind of special hell. I already have enough issues just not being able to express myself as clearly as I would like to. Oh, yeah. Especially in stressful situations. It's a constant daily struggle. No, this is core level fuckery. The level of psychological bullshittery going on here. On top of the fact that these fuckers are just super creepy. Yeah. And on top of the fact that they're going to pick seven different people to cut out their fucking hearts. They make their rounds around like the whole fucking city. They can't get seven hearts in one night. How many are there? There's at least five of them. I don't think they want to do it in one night. Yeah, they're clearly taking their sweet ass fucking time. They're enjoying it. Also, they're polite. Because they knock on the fucking door before they... (laughs) Like, you have to open the door to them, and then they fucking pin you down and take your heart. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, man. Which is the next scene we see. (laughs) That shit ain't right. (laughs) That shit ain't right at all. (laughs) 
Uh, the gentlemen enter the dorm and they end up knocking on door 118 <laughs> and fucking dude opens the door and then the fucking lackeys come in and pin him down and the gentleman fucking pulls out a scalpel and... They make a real to-do about it. Yeah. The manners are very important to them. And he looks so excited and so happy to have that fucking scalpel in his hand. I'm like, God, this is terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's beyond words. If Obviously, you just have to watch this episode. You really do. We cut to the next day where Buffy sees that there's a dead kid. And yeah, again, there's no fucking police around. Well, no, there was a cop, and he was like... He was a security guard. Oh, okay. And he's like keeping the parents out of the fucking room. Were those or, the parents? I mean, I could only guess. It looked like a very distraught woman, which my guess was mother. Or a family member of some sort. Maybe. I mean, his teachers aren't going to be right. banging Maybe down the... Maybe his girlfriend? I seem to recall it being an older woman. I'd have to go back and check, though. But anyway, Buffy just slinks in right behind the fucker. Yep. And she sees the body. We don't get to see anything past his waistline. So we don't get to see the gore of his heart being torn out, which... Slightly morbidly, I was a little disappointed about. Right? Yeah. If this had been a movie, we'd have seen it. Damn right we would have. Or if this had been a TV show recently, we'd right. have seen it. Yeah. Like, yeah. TV shows are basically just, you know, it's all on the internet now. Nobody has to rate anything anymore. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. They're just completely bypassing the FCC, which is amazing. Then we quick cut to Giles, where Olivia is drawing the gentleman that she saw. Uh -huh. And upon seeing the drawing, something clicks in Giles' head, and he goes and walks over and pulls out a fairy tale book. Buffy, there's a problem. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking exactly. When Giles is running with a serious look on his face for the fairy tales book, you know there's a fucking problem. Yep. And then we cut to the school in one of the classrooms where Giles has a projector presentation. Yeah, presumably Giles has broken into and stolen a lecture hall based on his merit of looking very much like a British librarian and a scholar of some sort. I mean, honestly, if he walked into any fucking college anywhere and just walked around like he belonged there, no one would question it. He ever. could be the dean of admissions in a day. Right. Less than a day. Like, <laughs> he could just walk in and get a tenured professor to leave because he's like, uh, this is my classroom. I'm going to need you to move. I just <laughs> want to play with the idea real quick. That Giles went out of his way to find music <laughs> to play with this presentation. I don't think he had to go too far out of his way. Giles loves his music. And he's a classy fucker. And he's a punk metal thrasher, whatever you want to call him. All at the same time. He's the classiest and the raunchiest. But this, this music he plays is straight out of a silent film. Right. And he puts uh, laminates on the projector. Yeah. And, man, this just brought back some fucking memories from high school. Goddamn. Right? People still use those fucking things. Do they? Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. But, yeah, he his, project, his projector slide presentation thing explains to us that the gentlemen 
are demons who steal voices and then they go around and steal seven hearts. Yeah, but what do they want? Hearts. Willow points at her chest. Did you catch what Xander mouthed? Yeah, boobies. Boobies? <laughs> they want boobies? No, Xander. They don't want boobies. How's the demons are going to get the boobies? <laughs> well, Xander, they don't. You're stupid. And I mean you, Nicholas Brendan, not the character Xander <laughs> at all. And then this is where we get the masturbation gif. <laughs> yeah, everybody's seen that gif. Yep. And that's a fun fucking gif. Yeah. I, I think that might be this episode's true legacy. So we also see Xander mount the words, how do we kill them? And Buffy makes a staking gesture, but without a stake in her hand. Which is instantly misunderstood by all as a masturbation gesture. By everyone. You not, know the one. Not just the Scoobies, but also Giles. Well, Giles is one of the Scoobies, but I get what Kinda, you mean. but... He's the head Scooby. He's the dude with the ascot. <laughs> What's his name? Fred. Fred. He's Fred. <laughs> and Xander is shaggy. Unquestionably. Willow's Daphne. Spike is Scooby. No, sorry. Willow's Velma. And Buffy is Daphne. Buffy is Daphne. I mean, she even gets cast later as Daphne in the Scooby-Doo movie. You're right. Yeah. Shit. (laughs) God, that's getting a bit meta. Right? Anyway... Well, and so then she pulls out the stake and does the same gesture, and there's a collective, oh, well, now I'm really embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. They're all pervs. The whole fucking group. The whole lot of them. So They're all perverts. This is one of those 20 to 30% parts of the episode that was actually completely nonverbal. Yes. And well done. Good job. And then, of course, during the presentation, Giles points out that nothing they can think of can kill the gentleman. They can only die by a voice. Your human weapons won't do shit. The lore is that no sword can kill it, but that sounds like it extends to bullets, knives, stakes, etc. All I'm saying is they need to go the same route they went with that other dude and hit him with a bazooka. And just get a fucking bazooka. Don't you still have that goddamn bazooka, guys? Yeah, she still does. The fuck? Fucking find a supplier so that you can keep yourself rolling in rockets for it. Yeah. Good God. I mean, you start bazooking vampires left and right, they're gonna stop coming to fucking Sunnydale. <laughs> I'm just saying. Serious. It won't kill you, but you'll wish you were dead. So, you've never been as unhappy as a vampire can be in a million pieces. I can technically still walk, but my legs are over there. And I'm over here. Look at the legs go. I'm doing that. I'm making them do that. Get the duct tape. <laughs> they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So, what was the uh, story about that alligator? So, his last slide says Buffy will patrol tonight, and the stick figure art is wearing a dress, and Buffy's like visibly appalled at this extremely poor depiction of her. 
right? <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and then he grabs a book and he points at everyone else, implying that the rest of them need to stay and help him research. Cut to Tara's dorm room. Yeah, where she's like about to set out on a fucking mission. Yeah, she is. She stalked down Willow's dorm room and she makes a break across the campus. Of course, she drops her books and has to pick them up. She stands up and then there's this quintessential horror film movie style, slow refocus to the background where a fucking course... The gentleman and his mooks, his goons, his thugs, his lackeys, whatever the fuck you want to call them, are just standing there like, hello. Yep, and they have picked her. They're going to hunt her down. We're going to chase you now, girl. And so the following scene, we're going to cut between multiple different fucking things going on. Back and forth with reckless wanton abandon. Riley notices there's movement in the watchtower, so he goes to investigate that. Tara is running from the gentleman, and Buffy catches some and starts fighting them. Buffy kills. Well, she sees one from the distance, and then uh, a goon pops up right in front of her like a booga booga booga. Yeah, and then she fucking kills the bastard. She snaps its neck. And then the other one intelligently runs the fuck away. (laughs) I didn't notice that. Yeah, he runs away. That's how she ends up back at the fucking watchtower. She followed it. Ah. Like, I mean, he was dumb in that he led her back to the main hideout, and that was their downfall. Yeah, they didn't look like they got hired for their high intelligence or, you know, raised from the dead at the mental asylum. I do want to point out just now, because this is when we get really good looks at the lackeys or whatever. They're wearing straight jackets. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, their face looks like it's wrapped up. And Mm -hmm. it's just a very good aesthetic. Yeah. I really fucking loved it. And uh, again, the juxtaposition between those guys and the gentleman seems very much like a metaphor for like the government and their underpaid workers or mafia and their goons, their thugs, you know, this quintessential rich people using the poor people parasitic relationship they're also so on different ends of the spectrum yeah the gentlemen who are these posh floaty like almost gentle sort of almost (laughs) fucking creatures but then you have their their mooks are these fucking wild crazy like we can't walk down a street we have to flail our way down the street yeah and like i i love it i these are by far one of my favorite fucking villains yet. It's very well done. I mean, it's it's one of the most heralded episodes for a damn reason. Okay, so three different things are fucking happening here. Riley's fighting some fucking mooks in the watchtower. Yep. Buffy is hunting down a mook and then ends up fighting mooks in the watchtower. That is correct. But... Before we get to that, which is really the accumulation here, I want to specifically just address the Terra part. Yeah. Um, and do that separately. So Terra is running from the gentleman and the mooks. She sure is. And another gentleman joins up, and so she's running from multiples, and she's, like, banging on doors and shit in the dorms. And, of course, nobody's fucking answering their goddamn door. 
Because they're smart. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> the realization sunk into me. I was like, oh, shit. She can't yell for help. Nobody's going to answer their door because they think it's the gentleman knocking. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And she ends up getting to the dorm where Willow is and pounding on the door. And they do the editing thing where we well, think she was it's in the Willow's same. Ho- yeah. We think it's Willow's door, but it's not. Uh, the door ends up opening and it's a gentleman fucking coming out of the room from just cutting out someone's heart. With a fresh, still beating heart in his hand. And then Willow steps out of her room into the hall and Tara runs into her. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, look, the gentlemen are fucking chasing me. Panic at the disco, motherfuckers! And they get running and they end up in like a fucking cafeteria sort of place or whatnot. Yeah, or, it looked or like lounge a, area. Like a employee break room or something. But they slam the door closed and they lock it and then they like try and move physically this fucking pop machine snack machine thing. Uh-huh. Which I think they stole the pop machine the soda machine. I'm from fucking Michigan, and I call it pop, and everyone else can just suck it up. That's very interesting. I think they stole the soda machine from the high school. You know, the one that only has orange and purple? Oh, right. Because <laughs> it looked a lot like that. But, it really did. You know, then again, it was the 90s. But we were... they can't move it because they're tiny women. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Willow turned her ankle. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did. She did. I don't know if she did that from running or from... I think it was when Tara ran into her. Oh, okay. Or it could have been just from trying to move the the pop machine. Well, it... she was limping right before the, right before trying to move the pop okay, machine. Okay, I didn't so. notice that before then. But anyway, she hurt her ankle. She can't push. Yep, and so they, they sit down on the floor. They're obviously terrified and... And Willow starts Jedi fucking force powers staring at the goddamn pop machine. And Tara's like, oh, you're doing magic at it. I can do magic, too. And they, like, hold hands and they both look at the pop machine and and it fucking flies across the room and slams into the door. When our powers combine, heart, (laughs) boobies, (laughs) vagirner. Warning, parents. Witchcraft will turn your children into lesbians. That is correct. <laughs> so, Because that's exactly how they fucking paint this. So, you know, definitely let your daughters practice witchcraft because men are scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm scared of you, Rex. Right at this moment. I'm sorry. I'm going to put the put it down. No. Put what down? No. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think you know. I I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I think you're imagining things, Josh. Imagining dragons. Dragons? Yeah. Why, why dragons? Imagine dragons. Oh, God. I hate that. How band. did you not pick up on that? Because I hate that band. Ah, that and would explain it. I try to not it. think about them. Oh, boy, are we off track. So, yes. Um, I was trying to think of it. Captain Planet. That's what it's called. <laughs> when, it, when our powers combine. They did not summon Captain Planet. They just moved a pop machine across the room. Right. Well, good for them. So then we get to the final fight of the entire fucking episode, which I kind of hate when they cut to and from a fight like this. I'd rather just kind of see the whole fight in the fucking entirety. Yeah, well, you're an asshole. I'm not an asshole. 
I mean, have you seen your face? <laughs> anyway, so Riley's... My face is fine, thank you. It's just fine. That's right. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Riley's fighting... I don't know where Forrest is, but he finds the clock tower and he goes in there. I thought it was like a mini rocket launcher. Turns out it's a, a, it's a big-ass rifle taser thingy. Yeah. He doesn't use it until Buffy breaks in. And they have this moment of they turn and point their weapons at each other. Oh, shit. What the fuck is going on? Well, we're going to have to set aside our bewilderment for a moment so that we can fuck up these weird demon thingies. Yep. I have a slight problem here. Of course you do. In that Riley's holding his own kind of about an equal measure as to how well Buffy's doing. And that I think that really just kind of negates her like power yeah but he's like super special undercover ops i mean he had to work super hard to get to where he is and like sure she does a lot of training but she's very naturally talented and true enough so and also he has a taser rifle she has a crossbow but my favorite part is riley's ganged up on by Riley is ganged up by two of the fucking mooks and she like looks over one of the mooks runs upstairs she looks over at Riley and like looks up the stairs and then she's like eh, and then runs up the stairs and just fucking leaves Riley to his own his own situation <laughs> well i mean he's also wearing kevlar like he'll be fine <laughs> and i love it when he sees buffy like Grabs onto this random rope and swings across the room to kick one of the fuckers across the damn room. And he's right. like, what the shit is going Holy on? fuck. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwarts and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. And, uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and... Before the fight continues upstairs, we jump back to Giles's place for a short little interlude. <laughs> this is this is another ten percent of the thirty percent of the episode where they used actual nonverbal communication. Yep. So I love the way they set this up. There's this hilarious sitcom style misunderstanding wherein it looks as if Spike has bitten and drained Anya. But in fact, she's only sleeping on the couch, and he had just drank a mug of pig's blood and was sifting through some magazines on the coffee table. And he had accidentally knocked some books on the floor. Yeah. So when the door opens and it's Xander coming through, he pops his head up real quick to see... As we have established multiple times, the act of drinking blood made him vamp out. Yes. So he's vamped out. He has a fucking blood stash. (laughs) Yeah. It's, he's got Kool-Aid lips. He has Kool-Aid. <laughs> he has fruit punch mouth. Yes, that. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day, by the way. <laughs> a friend of mine said that he bought a giant jug of fruit punch, and that just made me think of that. Oh, yeah. I was really trying to find the gif of a gif of Buffy saying, you have fruit punch mouth. Oh, she and, did actually say that, didn't she? Yeah. I thought that was just a joke we no. made. We're openly confusing Joss Whedon's <laughs> jokes with our own because we're that delusional. 
Yes. <laughs> but yeah, he Xander immediately attacks Spike, which it's such a one-sided fight because Spike can't fight back. Right? My immediate instincts were like, oh, there's no way. Oh, right. He has the chip in his head. He can't. He literally can't fight yeah. back. But Anya, like, gets up, sees what's going on, immediately figures out what's going on right away. Yeah. Which, you know, good on her for that. But she, like, taps Xander on the shoulder. It's like, I'm fine. What the fuck? Yeah, you can read her lips really easily. My favorite part, though, is her sign language of saying, hey, let's go fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Finger in the hole gesture. You know the one. <laughs> you know the one. You dirty buggers. <laughs> You're thinking it right now with the... She's like, hey, you were trying to save me and we're kissing now and hey, let's go fuck. And then they run off to fuck like bunnies, but not like bunnies because Anya's scared of bunnies. But they fuck like some other prey animal that's really good at fucking mice. Yeah, mice. They run off and they fuck like mice. Mice have high sex drive, I think. Probably. I'm going to go with that. Kangaroos? I have no idea. Eh, I don't think they do. Horses. <laughs> Cows. I saw a cow once jump up on its hind legs and start humping another cow. It was really awkward. Did you know more people die from cows every year than sharks? No. Cows kill about 20 people a year and sharks kill about like three. How? They're Because, first off, how often do you come across a shark in the wild? No, 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 no. How, is the are the cows goring them or are people hitting them with cars? It doesn't say. Oh well, like, for just fuck statistics. Sake. Fuck your statistics. <laughs> anyway, cut back to the final combat upstairs in the clock tower. Buffy leaves Riley to fend for himself and follows the other lackey up the stairs. She gets a bit overwhelmed because you know they're all up there. And she's about to be fucking scalpeled the fuck open by one of the gentlemen. And and then Riley jumps in and saves the old bufferino with his massive shocky gun. Which immediately quits working. And then he gets shocky gun dysfunction. Fucking shocky gun dysfunction. <laughs> and they don't make pills for that. Yeah. They don't what? make pills for that at all. Yeah, the government needs to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> so she's getting choked out by one of the mooks. And she motions to smash the box on the table. She sees the box from her dream and motions to Riley to smash it. And he runs over and he slow-mo heroically smashes the bottle next to the box. Yep. And then looks at her like a puppy that is very pleased (laughs) that it just brought you its favorite toy. (laughs) (laughs) And then... She makes a box opening motion. He's like, oh, and he smashes the box instead. And then the moment, I love this moment. All the voices return to everyone and Buffy just fucking screams. And then boom, go all their heads. I didn't think it was a very good scream. It's not the scream that I liked. After all the gentlemen's heads pop, they're all dead. The look on Buffy's face is so pure unadulterated the best satisfaction ever of like god that felt good very cathartic exactly it was a moment of pure catharsis for her and as as it would be like right 
I often think about how fucked up it would be to be stuck in a room that is just slightly too short for me to either stand up in all the way or lay down in all the way. Oh my God. That would be pure torture. Like stick me in a six, one square room and I'm just (laughs) fucked. Absolutely fucked. You could, you could lie diagonally. All right. Well, you know what I mean though, (laughs) but you couldn't stretch out very well in any way. Yeah. That would be just that being would able be to rough. go foot to top of my oh. head. It would be the most important part, but still. Anyway, it was that kind of catharsis of like I just got out of solitary in prison kind of catharsis. That right there is the exact catharsis I felt when I had to live in my fucking 1994 Chevy Cavalier for two weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, not that I've ever actually been in prison, guys. I haven't. <laughs> I work for a school system. Several of them. I, I, had to live <laughs> in, I had to live in my car for a couple of weeks. It was a rough fucking time period of my life. And the first fucking night that I actually got to sleep in a real bed was fucking good. I can imagine. Oh, my God. I didn't know you at that time, did I? No, you did. That was actually right after we had met. Before we started really becoming friends. Oh. Um, we had just met. I had lost my job and my fucking apartment. And all I that remember shit. you having to live in your dad's shed for a this minute. This was between my apartment and living at my dad's. Huh. It was a shed, but it was a converted shed to living space. It was insulated and shit. You've really come a long way. Yeah. Yeah. In the exact time that we've known each other. By the way, if you ever want to donate to Beer with Buffy, go to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. We love your financial support. Yes. Because we and- actually really need it. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Then we cut to the next day where Tara and Willow are talking about how Tara was on her way specifically to Willow's dorm because she thought, hey, we could do a spell and get everyone's voice back. I'm under your spell. Okay, not yet. Um, Not yet. <laughs> we so got they- a whole season and a half before, almost two whole seasons. I know. So they're bonding over how sucky the Wicca group is. And they're like, oh, how long have you been practicing? Oh, about as long as you've been practicing. Maybe longer. I don't know. Hee <laughs> titter, titter, titter. You're so special. And it's special. It's pretty special. But I get a line here from Willow. I just thought it was a, a cute wording. She says, oh, most of my potions come out soup. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, it just stuck such a visual in my head when she said that. And uh, it didn't seem like a particularly weirdly worded line. Uh, it's well, just her delivery a lot of times. Uh, it is a lot to do with her delivery, but I like the joke. What is a potion based on what I think of potions is a bunch of ingredients in liquid. Well, that's also what soup is. That's literally soup. Potion that is not magical and doesn't do anything is soup. Yeah. And in every depiction of them making a potion in literally every episode of Charmed, there's like two sticks of celery sticking out of this (laughs) pot that's cooking on the stove. And I'm like, that's just stew. 
Also, break it down. Like, you're only cooking half of that stick. What are you doing? Yeah, what the fuck? Jesus Christ. So, but yeah, Tara really believes Willow is very special. She really does. If Tara was a man, this moment would be extremely cringy. I don't think so. Just her delivery of, no, Willow, you're special. I don't know. It bothers me. She didn't, I mean, she didn't say it like that, though. She's, Willow said, I'm not that special. And she was like, no, you are. And they also had just shared this very dramatic and potentially traumatizing experience together, which... Okay, yeah, I suppose. It, it was not this, like, bar scene. It wasn't a line being fed to her to try and get into her pants. There was merit backing it up. Even... Like, regardless of the... I guess I would be less bothered by it if they had brought Tara in one episode before this. It seems a little bit fast. I'll give it that. But I I think they're just trying to establish that there's instant mutual chemistry or fascination, at least, between the two of them. I mean, I kind of get the feeling that Tara knows she's gay. Right. And that Willow doesn't yet. Yeah, I can I can I can accept that, yeah. Willow strikes me as, you know, fascinated and confused, but also excited by the attention and certainly not in any way unenthusiastically consensual. And you can't blame her. Tara's hella cute. Definitely. I don't know, you're into which whatever you're into, and they're into each other, and good for them, and that's that's fucking special. And speaking of two people who are into each other, we cut to Olivia and Giles. I know, right? They're definitely into each other. Oh, that is some serious cuddling, man. I was like, man, these two must have taken a cuddling class. <laughs> and Giles was teaching it. But Giles, you know, is like, oh, are you glad you came? Giggity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Olivia's like, oh, you know, when you talked about all this witchcraft and and demons and stuff, I thought you were just being pretentious. And he's like, oh, oh I was. Oh, I was. But I was also right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cut to Buffy's dorm. Riley's like, well, uh, I guess we have to talk. Buffy's like, I guess we do. Long pause. Ironic silence. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk in Hold on. You've got something here. Yeah. Good fucking episode wrap-up, I have to say. One of the better ones. Definitely. I I have to say, I think the only thing I didn't like about this episode was how unconvincing I found Buffy's actual scream. Yes, the look on her face was cathartic, now that you mention it, but the sound of her scream sounded like somebody who was trying to scream on cue and wasn't good at it. And maybe she's just not a good screamer. Yeah, and... uh, I mean, some people can, some people can't. I get that. Do a voiceover. All right, I feel like we should at least talk for a moment, a very brief moment, 
about the things that we thought were amazing about this episode because wait <clears throat> how did you feel about this episode rex i fucking loved it that's amazing what did you like about it i thought it was a perfect fucking depiction or re- no better yet i thought it was a perfect distilling of Ooh. the visual aspects that make this show fucking amazing mm. like joss set out when he when he started this episode he wanted to prove that buffy isn't all about the fucking smarmy ass fucking dialogue yeah and i think he did it beautifully the fucking villains in here are super creepy. The fucking tone, every little bit of it is just, it sucked me in, in a way that a lot of Buffy episodes don't. I mean, I wouldn't call it smarmy regardless. Sometimes there's smarminess, but no, I agree with everything you're saying. Otherwise, this is the episode. If I thought I wanted to introduce somebody to Buffy and make them understand why it's good. Mm-hmm. This is an episode where I would be like, if I had to only show you one episode to show you that this is a really good show, this is one of those episodes. So I, I already gushed earlier about how much I loved the cinematography and the artistic stylistic choices of the juxtaposition of the gentlemen versus their mooks. And the, the glory of them floating down the street the way they do and the mooks flailing the way they did. But I think the other impressive part about this episode, which is very similar to what makes Once More with Feeling extraordinarily impressive, is you've got all of this visual fantasticness going on while they're also seamlessly working it into not only the the localized several episode plot arc but also the season arc think about it we're watching willow and tara meet for the first time yeah we're watching buffy and riley figure out who they actually each other are for the first time spike is finally basically accepted as a scooby almost damn near for the first real time, Anya and Xander basically are really actually fucking dating now. I think this is a, a perfect example of an episode because we've had episodes before where it's like, oh, they had to fucking add that in. So they shoehorned that little bit in. Yeah. But this obviously was written by Joss Whedon. This was obviously his specific... I am making this fucking episode and this is a perfect example of how fucking good that exact person is. Not the fucking writing team, not the entire fucking show running team. Uh This is how good Joss fucking Whedon is. Yeah. Right here. This episode was probably, he probably took months to write this in advance. Oh yeah. Which is one of my favorite things about Once More With Feeling is he took four months off to write that one episode. And when that man puts his mind to something, he makes shit happen. You know what I found out the other day? Uh, Shout out to the podcast Verbal Diorama. I was listening to their episode about the movie Speed with our Lord and Savior Keanu Reeves. Yes. And fun fact, uncredited, the secondary scriptwriter of Speed 
was Joss fucking Whedon. What? Yeah. I did not fucking know this. Holy shit. Uh-huh. Like, I knew he had been fucking uncredited for a lot of fucking screenplays and shit. He had been working in Hollywood for a long time before he actually, like, became a showrunner. Uh-huh. But damn, I didn't fucking know that. Yep. The shit you learn, you know? All right, Josh, what's your quote of the day? I'm going to have to give my quote of the day to Anyanka. Sandwiched between an exchange with Giles. Giles says, I have a friend who's coming to town and I'd like to be alone. Anya says, oh, you mean an orgasm friend? (laughs) Yes, that's exactly the most appalling thing you could have said. That's my quote of the day. Kind of under that same vein, I have to pick a spike line sandwiched between a Xander and Giles line. Xander says to Anya, okay, remember how we talked about private conversations and how they're less private in front of my friends? (laughs) And my quote of the day is Spike's retort, oh, we're not your friends. Go on. (laughs) Giles replies, please don't. I (laughs) I specifically picked this line because this is a thing that you and I would fucking say to each other. (laughs) Yeah, probably. We say a lot of things to each other. This could pop up randomly, just like, you know, a room full of monkeys on a typewriter could come up with the complete works of William Shakespeare. My point being is that the <laughs> level of snark and just the, no, fuck you, I want to hear this, filled in this one line is exactly <laughs> the level of snark and, like, fuck you that we have in our daily conversations with each other. Yeah, no, I, it's it's a brilliant choice regardless. This line had me laughing out loud in a coffee shop that was awkwardly quiet. <laughs> so I I approve of your choice. Excellent. Anyway, I think I it's... I aim only for your approval, Josh. Only? Ever? That's kind of impressive in its own right. Yeah, I live an unfortunate existence. <laughs> <laughs> the first step is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> Well, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Thanks for hanging out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes. That is the number one way that you can help us out. We also like money. If you feel like it, you can buy a t-shirt or a mug or, I don't know, probably some other things like a hoodie. If you go to store.beerwithbuffy.com, you can also just Give us your damn money if you go to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. And if you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail like old Crystal Sam did at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you very much to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for all of your wonderful closing opening and transitional music this has been beer with buffy i'm josh i'm rex have a good night wicka wicka oh god damn it
thousands of people. Why can't you people just done why are we watching this 